Hello again, and welcome to another episode of My Life with David Cassidy. I'm Carol Kaplan. I'm very excited about this episode, recorded in May 2022, because it's an exclusive. It's the first time Sherry Williams-Benedon has ever spoken publicly about her multi-decade relationship with David. If you've never heard of Sherry, you're not alone. She's purposely shied away from the spotlight. But dedicated Cassidy fans know who she is. For most, the first time they ever heard her name was in about 1986, when she gave birth to David's first child, while David, unbeknownst to Sherry, was still technically married to his second wife, Meryl Tans. Sherry took David to court for child support, asking for just $500 a month. But since then, she's remained a mystery. She met David just months before he exploded into pop culture as a singer and actor on the Partridge Family television series and maintained an on-again-off-again friendship with him through all three of his marriages. Ironically, Sherry never saw David as a pop star idolized by girls, then women, around the world. To her, David was the cute boy next door, and frankly, he probably thought of her the same way. Sherry describes herself as a traditional small-town Midwestern girl who became a model after her family relocated to Los Angeles. And that's what she was doing at the tender age of 17 when she met David. But through all their years as friends and lovers, she never followed his career, listened to his music, or went to any of his concerts. I was stunned that she didn't even recognize the names of his biggest hit songs. According to Sherry, what kept them coming back to each other through all those years was a burning mutual attraction, a deep friendship, and later, their daughter, Katie Cassidy, now an internationally famous television and film star, perhaps even eclipsing her father in actual time spent on the screen. I wanted to know more about who Sherry is, how it all began, her impressions of the real David Cassidy, and how their daughter is carrying on his legacy as a third-generation Cassidy actor. So here now, for the first time, is Sherry Williams-Benedon. So tell, let's start from the beginning. How did you two actually meet? I was on... Uh interview for modeling on uh, a stage at Screen Gems. And um, I was 17. And when I was finished with that, I walked to my car, which was parked on the lot. And all of a sudden, I heard somebody saying, hey, hey, something, I can't, this is not verbatim, because it was so many years ago of course so um i turned around and i saw this really really cute boy and um i said yeah hi and he said he introduced himself he just said hey i'm david and i said i'm sherry and he said uh asked me um, what i was doing there and i told him he said well i'm working on the set next to you next to where you were 
and I'd like to take you to dinner. I only have, wow. I only have one scene left, so it won't be too long if you wouldn't mind waiting. Well, I didn't mind waiting because he was really cute and very personal. One <laughs> <laughs> of the cutest boys I'd seen. And um, you, you didn't know who he was because this was before he was famous, right? Correct. This was in June of 1970. And I believe Partridge Family aired in September. So was he actually filming for the Partridge Family at that point? Yes, he was. And he asked if I would come in and wait. And he had me sit in his um, chair. And it was about 30 minutes. It wasn't too long. So I just waited. You had to be very intrigued, you know, watching him perform. What was going through your mind? Well, I was intrigued. And the only thing I was really interested in was the fact that he looked amazing. And that's the way when you're 17 and not quite out of high school, I think that's the way it goes. So he was 19 at that point, is yes. that right? Yes, he was. Yes. I didn't know that, but I, I would have guessed about that age. We had a really good time at dinner. Afterward, he asked if I would like to go and meet his roommate and his dog. <laughs> and he said he lived in Laurel Canyon. And I said, sure, that's fine. You have to remember, was a very naive um, time and people weren't paranoid. It was just a nice uh, time that was fun and it was footloose and fancy free, so to speak. Sure, people trusted each mother more. Right. And so you met his friend, Sam. Correct. And this is in the famous Laurel Canyon section of Los Angeles, which was famous for there being a lot of musical artists and other creative types at the time. I think it's still famous for that. And for several other things. It's a well-known for a lot of things. This was our first meeting. And um, he gave me his phone number. I gave him mine. And um, prior to Partridge Family, he was available quite a bit. But once Partridge Family aired, it was really crazy. And he had very little time. So um, when, you, when you were with him and, and he started to get famous, um, what was that like? It's a little hard to describe because it, it happened so quickly. Um, he was gone a lot uh, with work. And... It didn't really affect me as far as other girls were concerned because I really didn't see a lot of them at that time. I mean, if I said, saw him, I saw him and, um, or I went to the house or he'd invite me back over to the studio, but there, I, there weren't that many women that I was aware he was seeing. And did you have to hide from the public? 
Were there paparazzi back then? No, there were not paparazzi. It was either his house because we didn't really go out to restaurants much because he was well known by then. My understanding is that you and he were on and off for quite a number of years. Can you explain that or describe it? David and I got together whenever he had the time to do so. Um, like I said, during that period of time, it wasn't very often. However, um, you know, maybe every other week or so, we would be able to spend some time together. And um, the relationship just grew. And it was more of a, a friendship, but David and I had very, very strong chemistry. So there was a real attraction there for both of us. So you were 17 when you met, but you had a child with him when you were quite a bit older. Right. About 15 years later. So what, what happened in all those intervening years? Well, we just saw one another. Um, when I got married, which was 76. Uh, I'd get together with him, but there was no, there was no, you know, sexual. Sexual relationship. Yeah, right. And when he was married to Kay, it was, I don't know when he married Kay. I I believe it it was 1977 or eight, um, because it was after his father died in the fire. Which devastated him. Um, yes, that's true. So we were both married during those, that period of time. So once in a while we would get together and I'd go to the, over to the ranch and, you know, Henry Diltz is a very good friend of mine as well. And we do pictures or I'd come and watch. And, and Henry Diltz, for, for those who don't know, is a world famous photographer who has shot many of the major bands of the 1970s, even a little bit earlier into the late 60s. And he shot many, many album covers and that sort of thing. And he was David's dedicated photographer um, who shot most of the famous photos that people have seen of David. He trusted Henry. I went to Henry's house a few times with David, which was also up the same street in Laurel Canyon. So we spent some time there. But as I said, he was working so much and then we both were married. So we would talk a lot. We would, um, you know, just kind of have fun. So then his marriage to Kay Lenz ended. Yes. David and I spent a lot of time together when he was doing, um, little Johnny Jones, I believe. And I was living in Seattle at the time. And I was uh, pregnant with my first daughter. So I knew how I felt about David and I knew the chemistry David and I had. So when they uh, came into town to do the show for, I believe it was five weeks and, and Sam was with him, I really hesitated in getting a hold of him. So... I mean, I just wasn't going to have a sexual relationship with him at that time. 
at all. So um, I finally called and left a message and David called me back and asked if I would come to the show. And um, that's when we re renewed our friendship, let's say. Um, and, and this is while he was married to Meryl Tans. No, he was not married. He was just divorcing Kay. This was in 81. Okay. So we had a lot of dinners together. He didn't know anyone there. So we had a lot of dinners together. I went to several shows. I always took a girlfriend. And even my husband at the time, he went to dinner with us a couple of times. And it, it was actually a very bonding experience. And this was before he was with Merrill. Correct. And then he, he got married to Merrill. Well, David and I, like I said, created a very strong bond at that time. And it was probably the strongest a relationship was as friends during that time in Seattle. He actually, after I had my daughter, he had finished Little Johnny Jones in Michigan and he and Sam flew over, flew to Seattle to take my girlfriend and I to dinner. So again, we were very close. And when I came back to LA, maybe six months later, we had stayed in touch and then it got less and less. So I called Sam and I said, what's going on with David? And um, his number had changed. So he said, Sherry, I've got some bad news for you. And I said, what bad news? He said, David has met someone. And I felt, you know, that where your heart gets that burning sensation, even though I was still, I was married and I was faithful to my husband, but there was just something about David that was really special. So for a year or two, we'd talk on the phone. So there wasn't paparazzi and there, of course, we didn't have internet. We didn't have information. And, um, David called me one day and he said, I'm leaving Merrill and we're separated and I'm getting a divorce. And I said, well, I'm not living with my husband either. Uh, I am getting a divorce as well. So he said, well, let's go out to dinner. So I met him twice that week, I believe, once in Beverly Hills and I think Santa Barbara. So I was unaware that they were still like married at all. He said they were getting a divorce and he had filed and I believed him. So we renewed our, uh, sexual relationship because like I said, we always had a very strong chemistry. And even though I used protection a lot, I ended up being pregnant with Katie. And then you found out that he was still technically married. No, I didn't find out he was still technically married until about 10 years ago. I believed he was divorced. I had gotten a divorce and then 
shortly thereafter, when he went to England, he was involved with Sue. So I, there was no reason for me not to believe what he was telling me. Okay. So at some point you discovered that you're pregnant. I was really adamant that David know that he was the father, whether David uh, believed that or did not, I don't remember, but for me and how I felt, I would never want him to think that I had just um, said it was his baby when it wasn't. It was important to me that he knew that. So we met at UCLA for him to have a DNA test. This was after Katie was born. So they did a DNA test of the three of us to prove to him that it was his child. Was he in denial? Yes, I believe he was. He had told Sam, that is not, he told Zip, that is not my baby. I've never had sex with Sherry. So yeah, that's what he told Sam. And I don't know if Sam bought into it. But I know it created a lot of friction between the two of them when it came back that he was the father of Katie. It created friction between David and Sam? Yes. I know Sam was really hurt because he said, you know, we've been friends since we were 11 years old, and I can't believe that he would be dishonest with me. I mean, that really, really hurt Sam. He's even said that. Recently, he just doesn't understand why David wouldn't have been honest with him. Actually, what he said, he wasn't ready for a baby. I do recall him saying that to me. And then I also knew that he was involved with Sue in England. So what, he goes back to London to be with Sue and leaves you behind with a baby? Well, he was doing a time, I believe, on the West End. You and he, did you discuss marriage? No, I had no interest in, in marrying David. I had two children. I knew David's lifestyle. I knew David. I knew the industry. And I was never going to bring my other two kids up around that. It just was not going to happen as far as I was concerned. So I never even brought it up. What did you want at that point? What was your expectation? I didn't really have any expectation. How are you going to raise these three children? Well, I did. Raised them by myself for four years. And I was paid child support and alimony from my first husband. And um, owned a couple of stores. And that's how I raised my kids. And at some point, um, you asked David for some child support for Katie. Yes, I did. I felt that David should have some type of responsibility. So I asked him to pay $500 a month. And I said, I think, because I don't believe he had a lot of money at that time. And that didn't matter. What mattered was that he just showed uh, responsibility for his actions. And what was his reaction when you asked for that? Well, he didn't even want to do that. So I believe there was a court order that he just paid me $500 a month. So, so when did he meet Katie? He met Katie, well, obviously when they had blood drawn when she was an infant. 
all, I believe he saw her one time after that. He came to my house to talk to me when she was probably about two and a half. And during that period, I took her over to my mom's because I wasn't certain what David wanted. We talked a while and, um, you know, he, it seems to me that he felt very, it touched his heart in a way. He saw his, her little shoes by the door. He goes, you know, he mentioned, he goes, oh, are those her little shoes? I mean, he just was very, very sweet about it. And um, I feel that there was a lot of influence uh, in his life at that time. And um, he didn't show any attention toward Katie at that time. Was she old enough to understand? From the day Katie was born, her sisters and Katie all knew that she had a different dad. Because I believe that that's the healthiest thing to do with children. It is to be truthful. Is to be truthful from the beginning instead of waiting until they're older and then tell them. Right. So did Katie wonder like why she didn't see her father very often? Uh, no, because by the time she was a little over three, I married uh, my husband that I have had now for 30 years. And that was her dad. And she didn't, you know, she didn't really question prior to that. Mm -hmm. So my husband, Richard, was her dad. At some point when she got older, they did meet again. And what brought that about? When she was not quite seven, I believe, she fell and broke her nose. So I had to call David and, well, there was a, a few years there where we weren't in touch. I called David and I had to get some information for insurance through SAG. SAG is the union for right, this insurance, right? Right. So um, he asked to talk to her. And then I said, Katie, do you want to talk to David? Because I was referring to him as David. And she knew at that time, by the time she was seven, that that was her dad. So he wanted to meet her. And so we arranged a time for her to get together with us, all three of us. And how did that go? Wonderful. I mean, they ran toward each other. He grabbed her and picked her up in his arms. It was, it was touching. Aww. And she hugged him back. I have a picture of that from a couple of those somewhere. By this time, David's career had shifted and he was headlining in Las Vegas. Um, and so he had settled there, bought a house and was living there with um, his wife, Sue Schifrin and their child, Bo, who was a couple of years younger than Katie. And so I understand that you actually socialize together with you yes. and Sue and David and the children. Yes, we did several things. We did had many, many, many dinners together. David would take off and take both of the kids by himself to the MGM had like a little, like a carnival type thing. And uh, 
I would go take Katie up there about twice a month. Then she got to a point where she wanted to go by herself. This is probably when she was maybe 10. Uh, she wanted to go up there once by herself. So I talked to David and I talked to Sue. Um, and I was assured she'd be fine and so on and so forth. So she went up there. And when she came back, she said, Mom, I don't want to go again. And I said, why? She goes, it's just crazy there. And there's too much fighting. That's what she said to me. And she didn't go back again without me. She's talking about fighting between Dave, David and Sue? Right. Hmm. And that made her uncomfortable. Yes. Then at some point, they stopped talking again, right? Yes. When David would take them and want to spend time with, or spend time with Katie, Sue would interject that Katie has a family. She doesn't need you. Uh, you have both. You don't need to spend the time with Katie. So I could feel there was a little bit of uh, friction there. And um, I was just not comfortable with that. I also do want to tell you that I don't really blame or hold David responsible for any of his um, connection with Katie or disconnect or anything with Katie because uh, he had a loud voice in his ear, let's say. Okay. You know, and it was, there was a lot of manipulation going on. And um, so had it been different, I think the relationship would have been different. So are you saying that Sue was the one who came between him and Katie? Yes. And that was by things she would say or what I would hear or actions. And David actually had said that to me at one time. So taking it for what it's worth, that was my thoughts and my opinion as well. And did Katie understand what was happening? When they stopped seeing one another? Yeah. Well, there were a couple of different things that occurred, but the, the first thing that occurred was um, David had promised her he would go to her high school graduation about six months prior to. I mean, he made a commitment. He promised her. And I said, David, please don't tell her that if you're not going to be able to go or whatever. Because, no, it's on my calendar. I will be there. So about once a month or so, I would remind him, no, no, I have it here. I know. So then about six weeks, I'd say before the graduation, um, all of a sudden they were going to be in Ireland during her graduation. And the graduation was right in the middle of their trip. And Katie had been so looking forward to it. So when I questioned David about it, he just said, I forgot. I just forgot. I forgot. So I spoke to Robin, his assistant at the time, and I said, Robin, would you mind telling me if there's anything on your calendar for June, whatever the date was that she was graduating? And she goes, yeah, it says Katie's graduation. 
So then Robin also uh, proceeded to tell me that Sue had planned this trip to Ireland um, about a month or so prior to, and that graduation landed right in the middle of their trip. So that started it. Katie was so disappointed and so hysterical. And I really didn't, you know, I, I was beside myself trying to, there was no trying to make her understand because it was obvious what had taken place. But it meant so much to her. It just meant the world to her. And so that was the beginning of the disconnect? Yes. Uh, several things happened after that in regard to uh, David not being accepting of Katie's uh, success that she was having. Very similar to the way it was with he and his father, which he spoke to me about many times. And I think he had trouble handling that. And by then he had been taking, uh, I believe it was the, was Vicodin and basically chasing it with Jack Daniels. And he became a whole different person. Well, what issue did he have with Katie's career? I feel that he did not like the fact that she had uh, been very successful for with everything she did starting at age 18. I wouldn't allow her to work in the industry until she graduated high school. And then she never looked back. And basically, she's been working ever since. I mean, David had huge success with the Partridge family and his career, but it was short-lived as far as television. And I think he started feeling resentment about it because the success for Katie was a little bit, it was more than David's in television and film, but of course not in uh, music at all. He went to um, therapy all his life about his issue with his dad and the way his dad was very envious of his career. History really repeats itself. It certainly seemed to for this situation. Did you and Katie see him under the influence? Well, we used to spend, we spent a Christmases together a couple of times and Mother's Day, we were in their house in uh, Las Vegas. Um, and then when Katie was 15 and she released the song that she did, that David did, I think I love you. He was furious. I had tried to reach him. He was in Europe and I couldn't get a hold of him. It wasn't like now where we had the cell phones. I couldn't get a hold of him to okay it with him. So we just moved forward. Uh, his mom, Evil, was very, very close to our family, and we spent all our holidays with her. She told me she didn't think David would probably like her doing that, and I just couldn't imagine a father not being proud of their um, offspring, if you will, doing something um, that they had been successful with. So we went ahead with it, and... 
he was at our house. She played it for him. He went in the bathroom. I'm assuming he took a couple, uh, like a dinner or something, because when he came out, she was raging. And his mom was beside herself. She was there as well. And he just went flying out the door, laying rubber in the driveway, uh, left his mom, who he had brought with him. And um, so that was probably the influence that I saw that was the, the biggest influence. Of he, the he, alcoholic was, he was mad at Katie for trying to do a remake of I Think I Love You. I never, I, I, there was no discussion. He was just a beast. I never, ever before then or after then seen him as angry. And I think that the medication, the prescription drug really influenced his behavior. Now, Katie had a relationship with her grandmother, the actress Evelyn Ward, at a time when David himself wasn't available to his mother too much. Correct. Because his mother lived in Los Angeles and you lived in that area. And he was having nothing to do with his mother because she was involved with our family. And again, I feel that that, uh, he was influenced in that way to have that attitude. I mean, it broke his, it broke his mother's heart. That, well, he yes. discouraged him from seeing her. I don't know her exact reason, but um, I know she had always been threatened by me. This was early on. I don't know if that stayed that way. I mean, I never really discussed that with Sue. Most of my conversations quite often were, were mostly with David. Did Katie have an understanding of how famous her father was and, and the craziness of uh, his life at the height of his career? I believe she did. But to tell you the truth, I didn't even have an understanding early on. Um, by the time Katie, I mean, I never really realized his fan base because I really didn't follow David's career much. I saw him once uh in concert is all. And I had one album that he had given me. So I didn't really follow his career so much. So I wasn't really aware of his fan base later on. I believe Katie uh, knows, she certainly knows now. How do you think she was influenced by David? Well, there were good times they spoke and, and other times were not so good. Um, I do know as far as her career goes, he always told her to do work that was good work, not to just do it for the money, which was very good advice. Both David and I had told her not to start working um, and I wouldn't allow her to work until she was out of high school. She has very good work ethic, which she got from my husband, Richard, who's a physician and is very, I don't, he's never been five minutes late to go to work ever in 30 years. 
Tell me about her relationship with Bo. Well, she and Bo have always been in contact since they were little. When David passed away, the following day, I arrived in Florida, which was where her ex-husband's family lived. And they had Thanksgiving and uh, Katie and myself and Bo were all a part of that. So he was with us at that time. And even, I mean, they, they've had a very close relationship on and off, but they've always been friends. I mean, they're, they're, they're friends and sometimes closer and sometimes not as close. And she doesn't really share with me as to why. What is your impression of Bo? And, and is he similar to his father? Well, I have to say that for what I witnessed going on around Bo and between his parents, I think he's done much better and became a much better adult than I had expected him to. I think that he would like to be able to do more with his career. You know, all those years when you were bringing the kids together, what was your impression of Sue? Um, I really don't want to get into that so much, Carol, because of the kids. Okay. Um, I will say for myself, I thought she controlled David a lot. I thought she was very manipulative and maybe just a little unkind, but that's how I perceived her. And I don't know, as I would not say anything, even if I, I do know it in regard to how the kids were, or especially Bo, how that environment affected him. Why do you think David ended up with the women that he married? Hmm, that's an interesting question. I really don't know. Because they're very different, I think. I think that. Kay, who I only met once, but she seemed to be more of a passive, easygoing person. Mm -hmm. He and Meryl had the horses in common. And Stu was, according to Evelyn, was just really out to get him. That was um, his mother's view on it. So I'm not certain what he saw in them individually. Were you aware of the number of women that he was having relationships with? I had no idea. I, I, I laughed at it not, uh, not too long ago with someone thinking, uh, talking about this. And I said, here David had Meryl, who whether, I don't know whether they were married, separated, whatever, but in, in, um, well, Salivas, he had Sue in England and he had me in L.A. Now, I am probably pretty certain in saying that there were a lot others, but he balanced it. And I mean, like I said, I, I didn't know any better because I, there was no way of finding out and I didn't follow his career or anything. So, you know, I, I just didn't know. I, did, I didn't even think about it. So I want to go back to when David died. Can you tell me about how Katie found out, how events unfolded? Well, for the two weeks prior to, I was in Iceland, and um, I knew that David was not doing well. I didn't really even think he would last that long. 
I'm sure her Uncle Son called her because she and Uncle Son are very close and included her with all of the family events and the memorial service and everything. You know, I'm sure that all went through Sean. And as you know, Kitty was there when he passed. And she had not seen him in some time before she got that call, right? Correct. Was David aware that she was there? Yes, he was. Katie said the, the last words he said basically were to her saying uh, too much wasted time. I believe something very well as to that. So, so much wasted time. So much wasted time. And, you know, she was holding his hand and, uh, you know, before he went into a coma. What do you think he meant by that? I've thought about that a lot. And I would think that he meant that he did a lot of things that didn't really mean a lot in his life. I didn't reflect who he was. He didn't live his life to his true self. Correct. Interesting. I would have liked to have been there to see the interaction between Katie and David, like the eye contact, to see if that might have been a reflection as to how the uh, between the two of them, too much wasted time. But not being there and not seeing that, I don't know um, how it was directed. Do you have any idea why there was never a memorial service for David um, or, or a burial? Well, he was cremated, I believe. Yes. And, and his ashes were spread, I believe, at the racetrack up in uh, Saratoga. But um, there was a memorial. Well, tell me about that. I didn't go to it. Who, who it was in it was a family it was like invite only and um i know the reason i didn't go is i didn't want to cause any issues or it was about david it wasn't about whether i was going to be there or whether i wasn't going to be there or whatever and i told katie and then i wasn't going to go which she was fine with because i don't really feel that at that time they would have appreciated my being there because Sue went. She would have not liked my being there for certain. So I just took it upon myself to, to not go because I just did not feel it was the right thing for me to do because it was about David. It wasn't whether Sherry was going or not. Mm -hmm. and, and why do you think there was no burial place. I mean, I understand that he was cremated, but still, I mean, people, people bury cremains also. Right. But they were spread, I believe. And I want to say it was up there in upstate New York at the racetrack. Did you feel that it was appropriate? Yes, I do feel it was appropriate because that was racing and horses was the love of his life. That's what made him happiest. Mm-hmm. Besides perhaps the children or whatever, that's what made him the happiest. 
So a lot of women would have basically <laughs> given just about anything to have been in your position uh, where David is concerned. And I don't get the sense from you that you were in love with David. Would you say you were? No, I loved David as a friend. I loved David for the relationship we had, but I was not in love with David. Do you regret anything? I regret that I didn't have more understanding about the drugs and alcohol, and I didn't see so much of the outside influence at that time on him. I just kind of have a regret in, in that way. I think what fascinated me about Sherry is how practical her outlook is. She only saw David as a friend, a man, and a father. She never seemed to care much about his fame or his fleeting wealth. In fact, she may have been one of the few women in David's life who never wanted to marry him. In fact, she says they never even talked about it. The L.A. girl with Midwestern values didn't want the crazy life that came with being a pop idol's wife. In the end, she got what she wanted, a secure, stable life with a doctor for a husband and three beautiful daughters. Sherry said that if I wanted answers about how David's fame impacted Katie, I would have to ask her myself. I'm working on that. As I speak, Katie is directing her first major film, and seems to be seriously focused on making her mark in Hollywood. Perhaps more than either her own father or grandfather, the actor Jack Cassidy, ever did. When David passed, Katie received a few precious tokens from her father that were dear to him. But I take heart in knowing that she cherishes the replica of David's star on the Las Vegas Walk of Fame that I was recently able to arrange for her. That's this episode of My Life with David Cassidy. I'm Carol Kaplan, and thanks for listening. Be sure to rate this episode on your podcast platform. Then go to our Facebook page to join in the conversation and let us know what you think. I'll see you next time on My Life with David Cassidy.